begin our reading today, which is Romans chapter 1, the first seven verses, which is found on page 1065. Paul explains how Jesus really is Emmanuel, both God and truly man. So it's Romans chapter 1, the first seven verses, page 1065. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the Son of God, in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through him, we received grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to faith and obedience for his name's sake. And you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. And if you are able, would you please stand for the gospel, which can be found on page 913, it's Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to the end. So that's page 913, Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to the end. <clears throat> this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife but he had no union with her 
until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. This is the gospel of the Lord. Amen. So let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the thoughts of all our hearts be now and always acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Let's be seated. Well, we're almost there, aren't we, after all the uh, preparations. What are your expectations of Christmas? Perhaps time with friends or family, time away in some lovely surroundings maybe. I know some people are going away. Or is it that present you'd always wanted and hoped that you'd get? Children are certainly full of expectation, aren't they? They've been getting quite manic by now, I think, uh, having finished school and getting all wound up ready for the day. Of course, Christmas is all about giving, God giving the best gift of all. There had been an expectation amongst the Jewish people that Messiah would come one day. At the time of Jesus' birth, they must have hoped it would come soon. They were ruled by a a foreign power that had taken over their land. And they had to pay heavy taxes to these foreigners that they so hated. There was corruption amongst their own leaders at the time. Tax collectors would cream off what they could for themselves. The religious leaders set things up quite nicely for their own comfort and prestige. They controlled everyone else by hundreds of rules and regulations. So there was not much expectation of God changing things for them. Two people in particular were at least open to God and ready to hear what he wanted. Mary was amazed during her domestic duties to be visited by an angel of the Lord. She was certainly surprised by this, and who wouldn't under those circumstances? But even more so at the angel's words. God was asking her to bear a special child. How could this be? She was a young woman engaged to be married. In those days, it would have been an enormous scandal for such a young woman to be found to be pregnant. But this was to be a work of God's spirit. Mary, in faith, accepts what's asked of her. She knows this is something that God wants of her. So what about her betrothed, Joseph? How would he have felt when he heard that Mary was expecting a child? In that culture, people who were to be married would be betrothed for a year before the actual marriage 
took place. The betrothal was a commitment by them both. And they were as good as married, yet not living together. Joseph must have been devastated when he heard the news. He must have felt straight away that Mary had been unfaithful to him. What was he to do? Rant and rave about it? Announced to the community, his family and friends, that they had been let down by his choice of bride? No. Joseph comes across as a devout and gentle man. He decides not to disgrace Mary. He will divorce her quietly. Perhaps she can go away for a while until the baby is born and come back with a covering story about the child. We don't know, of course, what Mary had said to him about her being with child. He certainly didn't feel at this stage that this was something miraculous. But his response does show that he was kind and forgiving. By the laws of the time, he should divorce her. But he wasn't going to make a big thing of it. But God is in this whole situation. He is about to come into our messy, mixed-up world. It is so that people can be set free. Free to be the people that he created us to be. Free to have an open relationship with him. And that will require forgiveness and cleansing from sin. This child is to make all of that possible. Because behind this quiet, cute babe is the shadow of the cross. So as Joseph rests, God sends his angel to Joseph in a dream. The angel explains that the child Mary is carrying is from God. She has conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. She has not been humanly unfaithful. She has been truly faithful to God in accepting his will in this situation. Again, we see the action of faith in Joseph's life. He accepts what the angel has told him. He doesn't question whether this is just some wishful thinking on his part. He goes on to take Mary as his wife. Well, we easily gloss over the accounts of Mary and Joseph and their situation at the time, but these are people of great courage. They could well have been shunned by the rest of their society. It will be assumed that they had premarital sex for Mary to be with child. Their society was a close society. It would have been a serious thing to be sent to the margins. They would not have even been able to take part in the necessary religious requirements of the day. But the Gospels don't give any details about how life went on for them from this point to Jesus' birth. I wonder how each of us would have reacted were we part of that society. Are we ready to judge others? Are there people we would rather not associate with? 
are there people we would rather keep outside of our church? Or are we able to look with compassion on those who are different? Those who have fallen on hard times. Those who have made costly mistakes. God forgives us so much. Are we ready to forgive and accept others freely in the love of Christ? In Matthew's gospel account of this announcement, Joseph, he quotes an Old Testament prophecy from Isaiah. It was given at a time when the nation were under threat. The king and his officials were panicking over what would happen to them. They forgot all about God. They certainly didn't bring him into the situation and ask for his guidance. So Isaiah is sent with a message for the king. A sign is announced to the king. There would be at the time a young woman with child, probably someone in the royal household, perhaps someone known to the king. Within nine months, that young woman would give birth to a son. The son is given a meaningful name. The name was a reminder to the king and those around him that God was with him. That was what the name Emmanuel meant. The promise is that before the child is properly weaned, the threat from these two enemies will have died down. Some short time after the two kingdoms ranged against Judah would be overturned themselves. An enemy would lay them waste. So for that, that so far, that message is encouraging. The but comes after. The very force that the king was trusting to destroy his enemies would turn on him. Judah itself would be overrun by that enemy, Assyria. That was the judgment for the lack of faith shown by the king and his people. The sign of Emmanuel in that text is not a reassurance of peace. It is a fist shaken at apathy. It is not about security. It is a warning about illusion and transience. Prophecy springs from loving anger. In good times, it warns of complacency. In bad times, it offers for the future. Prophecy is the stick God pokes us with to keep us awake. It demands a response. Well, I wonder, are we like the king when times get tough? Do we lose sight of God when we're plunged into turmoil by the things that happen to us? Or do we turn to God in prayer and offer the situation to him? Do we listen to what he may have to say to us in that situation? Matthew uses this prophecy about Emmanuel as something encouraging for his time. It is now to be ultimately fulfilled. And that is how prophecy works. It meant something at the time, and then there was the ultimate going on into the future. The sign of Emmanuel is certainly an encouragement to us. It is the good news that God has brought to us from that first Christmas time. The assurance 
that he is with us. That if we open ourselves to him, he will always be there for us. Do we have that expectation? Do we keep in mind all that God has done for us at great cost? An anonymous verse goes like this. It's Christmas time at our house and we're putting up the tree. I wish I could find some simple way to remember God's gift to me. Some little sign or symbol to show friends stopping by. The little babe was born one day, but he really came to die. Some symbol of his nail-pierced hands, the blood he shed for me. What if I hung a nail on my Christmas tree? I know it was his love for us that held him to the tree, but when I see this simple nail, I know he died for me. It may seem strange at Christmas time to think of nails and wood, but both were used in Jesus' life to bring us something good. From manger bed to crown of thorns to death on Calvary, God used the wooden nails of men to set people free. Thomas Arnold wrote, The distinction between Christianity and all other systems of religion consists largely in this, that in these others men are found seeking after God, while Christianity is God seeking after men. That is the good news of Christmas. God came among us seeking our response to his love. With that in mind, we should always have high expectations of what God can do in our lives and in the world. If only we would let him. Amen.